0: Matthew 25 is where we're gonna be. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles located on all the tables and bars around the room, so feel free to grab one of those. If you don't know me already, my name is Andrew. Serve on the pastoral team here at Ethos, And we're gonna be continuing, like Dave said, in the series that we've been in all fall called The Return of Jesus, where we have been looking towards this day, anticipating this day collectively as a church family, when when Jesus will return, when he will make all things right. And this imagery that we've been using um, in this series has been this imagery from Revelation chapter three that talks about the wedding feast of the Lamb, the, the wedding feast that we will get to participate in with Jesus, and it's been such a helpful reminder for me of the fact that we are, we are living for something and someone beyond us, and it's where we're going to keep going together this morning. If you haven't been tracking with us, I want to take just a moment to kind of catch us up um, in, in this series. And so week one, uh, we just looked at all of the different perspectives that, that we come into this conversation with, and we said, hey, no matter what our perspective, no matter um, our, our history in, in this conversation what we're going to do is we're going to collectively just look at Jesus's words and align our life and align, align our thoughts with with Jesus, and so we looked at Matthew 24 in weeks two and three, and where, where Jesus lays out, he says, "Hey, here, here's here's what you can anticipate. Here's what you can expect." He says, "Although you can't know the day or the hour, uh, I want you to anticipate and be paying attention to the things that will come in in that season." Now, it's one thing to to do, to know something, right? The idea of this series is not just simply know what to expect or what to look for. The idea is that it actually changes the way that we live. Um, I heard someone say one time, and it's always stuck with me, information alone does not bring transformation. Um, And then the idea of this series is to take in the information, to apply it so that we can be more fully transformed into the image of Christ. So information plus application equals transformation, and that's what we're going after for the next few weeks. It's where we've been the last few weeks saying, okay, what does this actually look like in the context of our lives? As we, as we apply this knowledge, how does it affect the way that we live? I mean, so thankfully, Jesus in his genius gives us these parables, Matthew 24, followed by parables. And these parables are just helpful insights where Jesus is saying, hey, okay, you know all of this, Here's, here's how you actually live in light of everything that I just told you. So last week, we looked at the parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Jen Barnett did an incredible job. Honestly, if, if you have not yet gone back, listen to that, watch that, just leave right now and go and do that instead of listening to me. It was so, so good. And she talked about the importance of intimacy and friendship and, and communion with the living God. And how as we anticipate the return of Jesus, as we look towards the return of Jesus, one of the most vital ingredients in the life of a believer is going to be their intimacy and their friendship with Jesus. And that's going to flow right into where we're going today, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. We looked at that parable first for a reason. We talked about that abiding that happens, that that communion with God that is necessary in order to then live out everything else. And today we're gonna begin to unpack, hey, everything else flowing out of that abiding life in Jesus, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Let's, let's read this together. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Okay, Again, it, what's the, again, is he talking about? What we looked at last week, hey, when Jesus returns, when, when the fullness of the kingdom comes, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money. After a long time, after a long time, similar to the last parable, he was delayed. The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold or talents, your translation might read, I brought you five more. His master replied, verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold or two talents also came and said, master, you entrusted me with two. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold and came came and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have taken my money Put it on deposit with a banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know, right? Kind of kind of a sobering, sobering parable there. Um, really beautiful parable, though, too. The, 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 the weight of what we just read would have also been the weight that the disciples felt and, and should have felt. Jesus is giving us some words here that, that should, if we take them in, actually affect the way that, that, that we live. Now, as a father, um, I experience a lot of joy with that. And honestly, there's some moments of, of difficulty or, or heartbreak in that. I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a, and a one-year-old. And the other day, one of, one of my kids was doing something and it was an accident and they spilled something. I don't even actually remember what it was. But what I do remember was the way that they responded and reacted. It was not, listen, we have messes and spills and accidents all the time in our house, it just happens a lot. But the way that my kid responded in this moment was just different than, than he normally does. And he got really upset, was, was, was really crying and kind of goes off and I'm like, what in the world's going on? So I go and I'm like, hey, tell me about, why you responded to that? Like, why, why, why are you so upset? And he, he said this thing and it just broke my heart and said, I thought you were gonna be mad at me. I thought you were gonna be angry because of what I had done. And I'm like, okay what have I been doing to make you think that just a little accident's gonna make me angry about you? And here's the thing that I was realizing in this moment. Like, the way that that my child thinks I, I am and the way that he thinks I will respond will drastically change who he is and what he does. Like, who he thinks I am and what he thinks I'm like will drastically affect the place from which he operates, the paradigm from which he is he is living from, and it was like the Holy Spirit was reminding, me, hey, your view of who, who I am, what you think I'm like, will drastically affect the way in which you live, and this morning, we're gonna look at this, this reality, that how we see God, how we understand God to be, what his heart is, what Jesus is like, what the master, what the man is like, is greatly going to be impacted by our perception of him. And it's our understanding as as disciples of Jesus, as children of God, we have to know what he he is, what he's like, what he's all about. Because when we understand the heart of God, when we understand the heart of the master, everything else is gonna flow out of that. And we're gonna see someone who, who... who believes the master to be hard and harsh. And the ironic thing is, is they're gonna end up experiencing that reality. And then you're gonna see someone else, two other servants that actually understand, that actually know the heart of the master, actually know the heart of their Lord. And it's a beautiful, beautiful reality that they get to live into. Now, here's what I was kind of meditating on when I was just thinking about this passage in the context of our life and in our world. Like when you're operating like the world, typically the, the reflex of whatever comes your way, if it's difficulty, if it's pain, if it's heartache, whatever news is coming your way, whatever circumstance is coming your way, our, our first typical reflex is gonna be one of fear. Okay, how, how is this gonna change is what Will was talking about earlier. How is this gonna change the way my life is? How is this going to affect me? Typically, when you think that we typically do our heart immediately is going to react to with this posture of fear and anxiety. I remember someone told me once time, hey, any, any change that comes your way, you're, you're first gonna perceive that, perceive that as a loss. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, he's gonna say, hey, all of these things might be coming your way, All of these realities might be coming in the midst of your circumstances, but I'm actually gonna give you a different path. I'm actually gonna give you a different way of living. I'm gonna gonna offer you not a path filled with fear and anxiety, if, if, if you come to know me, if you come to walk with me, if you come to understand the heart of who I am, you're gonna be able to walk in freedom, in boldness, in courage, because you know, no matter what comes in this life, no matter what comes in this life, what is to come in the age to come is far better than anything you could fathom or imagine. You have to remember The the, the context of this parable, Jesus is talking to his disciples after he had just gotten done unpacking, hey, these are gonna be some things you need to look for. These are gonna be some things you need to be aware of. And he says, hey, this is how I wanna invite you to live and steward your life. It's not with fear, it's not with anxiety. It's with the hope, it's with the faithfulness, it's with a future that is so secure that you can live freely right now. And Jesus, he's saying, hey, do not take your wealth. And I don't mean wealth necessarily monetarily. I think what Jesus is saying is hey, I want to take whatever you've been given, whatever it is your time, your talents, your abilities, your skills, your, your money is a part of that. The, the favor that, that I've blessed you with. I, I, wanna, I want you to take it all and here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to stick it in the ground, I don't want you to play it safe, and I don't want you to just get by until the very end. He's saying, the person who does that doesn't actually know me. I've endowed you with skills, I've endowed you with abilities, I've entrusted you with whatever it is that you have for the sake of me and my kingdom. Now, if you live into that, oh, you're gonna find life not only now, but you're gonna find life in the life to come. So I wanna dig into this parable. I wanna unpack it, and then I wanna apply it even more. So here's what we have. We have one man, we have three servants, and we have two responses. If you're taking notes, one man, three servants, two responses. Two responses to this wealth that they've been given. Now we know... Just from the context of the parable, the man represents God, uh, the three servants represent children of God, followers of God. Um, Jesus himself in this moment is speaking to his disciples in the original conversation. And here's what I want us to hone in on is is the two responses, because I think it's typically the two responses that we have. One one is gonna be something we're gonna spend a lot more time on because it's it's our aim, it's our focus um, as a church and as followers of Jesus. But here, here is, at the, before we dig into the details, here's the heart of what this parable is about. God has entrusted each person. He has entrusted you. With gifts, with abilities, with opportunities, with family, with friends, with circumstances. Some of which you really like, some of which you don't. However you wanna look at everything that encompasses your life, and he says, hey, I wanna invite you to use this for my glory, for my kingdom, and my good. So what, however it is that God has wired you, whatever personality he's given you, it's on purpose. It's on purpose so that you can bring glory to him. Now, here, here's the weight and kind of the sobering aspect of this parable. There, there's gonna be a moment, there will be a moment when we stand before Jesus and we, we lay out our life before him. Like, that moment's coming, where we, we lay our life before him, and we, we say, hey, here, here's, here's how I've lived. Here's how I've stewarded what, what, you've, what you've given me. It's that moment, as it says in the parable, where accounts will be settled. Now, we see in the story, it has the opportunity to be the most beautiful, glorious, incredible day of our lives. Like, the generosity of Jesus that we're gonna dig into here in just a moment is incredible, We've gotta understand the generosity and the heart of Jesus in this parable. But we also have to understand the weight for those who don't walk in faithfulness to Jesus. So two responses. The first one is rooted in faith and freedom. You see it like faithful to the end, living a life of just complete freedom with what God has given them. The second response is gonna be rooted in a false narrative. Someone who doesn't actually understand or know the heart of God. And it ends up producing this fear, this, this worry, this anxiety. And what we're gonna actually do is spend the majority of our time on number one, uh, this, this, this life rooted in faith because it's, it's what we're going after, it's our aim. So I'm actually just gonna kind of just touch on the very end, that, that, one, that one talent or that one bag servant. And here's, here's just what I'm gonna say about that second response it's it's something that I think we see far too often. It's, it's that person who's just living for themselves. It's that person who doesn't understand the heart and the character of God. They haven't taken the time to actually know Him and walk with Him and abide with Him. It's that it's that life where you get to the end and you realize, you realize I've, I have lived for the wrong person. I've lived for the wrong things. I've, I've geared my entire life around right here and right now and for me. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral of someone who's just lived their life for themselves, completely selfish, disregard for other people. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty sobering funeral to be at because you, you realize, oh, they've, they've missed the mark. The, the reward wasn't this life. The, the reward is actually in the life to come. And here's what I, here's what I want us to do. I wanna look at the response of the two servants who faithfully and obediently and quickly steward everything that they have for the master that had entrusted this to him. Now, here's the first thing that I just wanna acknowledge and write this down. There is no one else we want sitting on the judgment seat than Jesus. There is no one else we We want sitting on the judgment seat than Jesus, the one who is going to settle accounts, as it says in this parable. You see, two of the servants, what what do they do? They immediately put put what they had been given to work. You almost see this just life of just freedom, where where they, they, they actually didn't know the outcome of what was gonna happen, but immediately, whatever they had been entrusted with, whatever they had been given, they immediately put at work for the sake of the, sake of the man who had, who had given it to him. They clearly knew, I think they clearly knew, and they understood the heart of the one who was coming back. They, they knew the generosity of the one who had entrusted them. They knew the results weren't aren't dependent upon them. They knew the results were dependent upon the one that had been entrusted. One of the commentators I read said this, There's not a better judge to stand before than the most kind, generous one, and it's Jesus. His generosity and how he rewards us for the very small things that we do and the very big rewards that he gives are incomparable. here's, here's, Here's the truth. When we take one step of obedience, one small step of obedience now, Jesus in the age to come is gonna give us a mile. It's a beautiful, outrageous, wild grace. Like when we're faithful stewards of of the little, of the few, Jesus sees that, he knows that, and he's gonna honor that in ways that we can't fathom or imagine. Now, the second thing I wanna point out, number one, we we want Jesus being the judge. Number two, something that I think is very freeing, they were each given different amounts to stewards. This was on purpose. Something I read this week said, hey, we're each given different abilities. We're each given different personalities. We're each given different economic situations. We're each given different spiritual gifts. We're actually born into different families and places and have different people around us. That is on purpose. That is by God's design. I am not called to be someone I am not. Man, this is freeing. This is spring this week as I thought about standing up here. I'm not called to be anyone that God has not designed and wired me to be. But so often, what do I do? I find myself wanting to be X, Y, Z. I want to I wanna have this kind of platform. I want to have this kind of influence. I want to have this kind of skill set. I want to be here. I want to be there. I want to be this. I want to be that when God's placed me right where I am for a reason. He has wired you. He has given you the personality you have. He's given you the job you've had. He's placed you at the school you're at for a reason. It's why I can't look at you and you can't look at me and we can compare notes. Like God has given you something for the sake of his kingdom and his world. Here's, here's what we know. So often we we play this comparison game, and we don't end up living into who we are made to be. And no matter what, here's the reality and kind of the sobering aspect. The man, you know, the master, the Lord, he comes back to settle accounts. Like there's a, there's a moment where they actually have to say, hey, here, here, here's what I've done with what you've given me. There's gonna be a day when Jesus comes back to settle settle accounts with people. For those that have remained faithful, and that looks different for all of us, but for those who have remained faithful to Jesus and his words and his ways, this, this is the most glorious, best, beautiful day that we could ever hope for and long for. It's what we're all made for. I love this quote. Those that were faithful and diligent and seeking to obey him, hear this, even in their weakness, even in their brokenness, even in their failure, will have overwhelming joy and gratitude on that day. It will be a glorious day when the master comes back to settle accounts. Here's something I think we need to notice, something that, once again, I think brings a lot of freedom and perspective to the one that was given five and the one that was given two, it was an identical response. The same reward, identical response. Did you notice that when we read it? Jesus is just repeating himself once again. I think this response from Jesus is deeply important for us to know and understand. I want us to spend a few minutes on what Jesus actually says here. Where he says, well done. This was his response. Well done. Good. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Therefore, I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Come and enter into the joy that I have prepared for you. Personally, I think most of us, if we're all being honest, we're like probably relating more to that like two talent, one talent person. Um, that's kind of where, where I find myself. I'm like, okay, God designed it that way. I got a little bit less gifting, a little bit less ability, a little bit less impact in some people, and that's all right. But here, here's what I want us to see. It's, it's the same reward. It's the same response from Jesus for both the two-talent and the five-talent person. There, there's, a, there's a big message in this. Like, sure, the, the five-talent person turned it into 10. The two-talent person turned it into four. Here's the reality. The, the amounts don't really matter. That's why I didn't even really get into the, the, what, what each of these amounts are. We're, we're, missing, we're missing the big picture if we think the amounts are what, what are important. Get the same response from Jesus, No matter what your platform, no matter what your ability, no matter what your influence, the important part is you remain faithful to whatever it is he's given you. Here's the reality. Like, there's only a few Billy Grahams, right? Like, if I had to put money on it, I would say no one's gonna like walk out of this room and fill a stadium to preach. There's, There's only a few Mother Teresas. Like, that's okay, what, whatever God's gifted you, wherever he has you is exactly where you are supposed to be. For most people, life is gonna be nothing like filling a stadium and, and preaching to lots of crowds. And here's what I want us to notice. The Lord gives the same affirmation to the one with, with less ability or less, less talent. The same affirmation Here's the key factor. Each of them stewarded and were diligent and were faithful and were honoring to the master with with what they had. So I want you to spend some time this week thinking, what has God given me? How has God wired me? And how how do I use it to bring him glory? Let's look at each of these words here from Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. I think, think about that moment. Not like in theory, but think about that moment right now. There's there's gonna be a moment where Jesus, he's looking at you and you've been faithful and you followed him and you've obeyed. And Jesus is gonna be like, well done. I long for that day. My son Ike played baseball this year and it was his first year playing baseball and there were moments where it was pretty obvious it was his first year playing baseball and um, we, you know, we worked on some, some basics, some fundamentals and he grew a lot this year, but we get to the end of the season and I'll be honest, like I'm not really sure whether or not he's like, yeah, let's do this again or no, I hate baseball, so we're like teetering on that line and uh, last game of the season was on Friday And his coach uh, took the time after the last game, kind of gave each of the players an award of some kind. He wrote it on a baseball. Each of them got a game ball. It was a really neat moment. And um, Ike gets a game ball and he's like, Ike, man, first year playing baseball, you did an awesome job. Uh, He said, well done, Um, you're going to be Rookie of the Year. And Ike's like, Wookie of the Year? What's a Wookie? I don't know what a Wookie is, but I do like Star Wars, so I'm all in on this. Um, I'm like, here's what a Rookie is. It means like, you. you." anyway, um, I explain it to him, and he's like, are you serious? Oh, I can't wait till next season. Like, I can't wait till I get to play again. And I was like, okay, that's all it takes is your coach saying, hey, well done, uh, Wookie of the Year, and he's all in. I think there's something powerful, though, about, about knowing a day is coming. Like a day is coming where, where the one who even right now is saying, hey, well done, keep going, I'm proud of you. It's why it's so important to know the heart of the one who has entrusted you with what you've been given. Good and faithful servant, good and Faithful, servant, each of these words are important. When, when Jesus says this word good here, it's this idea, hey, our motivations, like the heart posture from which we are living from it is one that is godly and pure. Whatever it is that we're doing, we can do it and we can walk in freedom because we know, one, it's been given by him and it's given for him. And so when we're, when we're operating out of that personality he's given and when we're operating out of that talent or ability he's been given us, we know, hey, our intentions need to match up with godly intentions. And when they don't, here's why I think this is important for us to notice. When they don't, it's, it's an opportunity for us to say, okay, I wanna, I wanna line back up with pure godly intentions. Oh, I've been living for myself. Oh, I've been living for my name. Okay, I do it all the time. What do you do when that happens? You just simply step back into the intentions, the good intentions that God desires. And he says, you've been faithful. You've been faithful. It's it's not just about good intentions. It's, hey, you've put what I've given you into action. You've been faithful with what I've given you, but he doesn't just stop there. Good and faithful servant. Can you imagine? Like Jesus, the servant of all servants, the one who got down and washed his disciples' feet the one who left the, the goodness and the glory and the royalty of heaven to, to, to tell you, like the, the servant who laid down his life for you to say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. He goes on and he says, hey, you've been faithful with, with a few things. Oh, how freeing. Jesus is not asking us to do everything. Jesus is not asking us to be everybody. He's asking you, wherever you are, whatever you have, to do it for Him, to live for Him, to steward it for for His coming kingdom and His glory. And here's what I love about the fact that Jesus says a few things. And once again, same response, whether it's the one with five or the one with two, it's the same response here. He says, Hey, it's a few. And I think when, when, when you look at it from the eyes of the world, it's, it's really easy to think, oh, I'm small, I'm insignificant. Like what I have, like what I'm doing, whatever job I have, oh, it's, it's, it's small, it's insignificant, it's, it's no big deal. Here's what I want us to hear and what I think Jesus is saying and how generous Jesus is. No matter how small it might feel or no matter how small it might seem, it's big in the eyes of God. Like, so, so that little thing that you're doing, the, the way that you're serving with Ethos Kids, the way that you're loving your neighbor, the way that you're serving your spouse, the way that you're filling the blank. It, it's, it's not about others' recognition because there's gonna be a day, there is gonna be a day when Jesus said, hey, I saw that. I saw you. I saw the way you were serving that person. I saw the way you loved that person. I saw the way you you generously gave of your finances when no one else knew. Hey, in this life to come, I'm gonna put you in charge of a lot. I think there's gonna be a lot of people surprised. There's gonna be a lot of people surprised of who is put in charge of a lot in the age to come. What seems small in the eyes of man is important in the eyes of God. Whatever job, whatever role, whatever skills, whatever gifting, they are deeply important in the eyes of God. Here's, here's the truth. It is most of us are, are going to have relatively like, small influences. Like, the rest of the world saying, "Hey, get a big platform, gain a large influence." And some of us will, and that's OK, but like, the majority of us are going to operate from a place of small influence. But guess what? Your reward and your influence in the age to come far outweighs it all, I promise. Sometimes I think we're, we're just, we're like waiting for that, that, that big God moment. I can get in the trouble of doing this. Okay, God, when you move in power this way, when revival comes in this way, like then I'll jump in on what you're doing. <laughs> it's like God's like, hey, what about that neighbor who lives right next to you? It's like, oh yeah, you're right. It's that person in the marketplace who thinks, man, I go to my job nine to five every day and I don't feel like I'm doing anything for the Lord. And God's like, hey, I've given you a team. I've given you people to work with. Think about the people beside you. How can you love them? How can you serve them? How can you work in such a way where you're doing it unto the Lord to bring me glory, whether you get recognition or not? It's that mom who's at home, and they're tired, and they're exhausted, and they're thinking, okay, once I get to the, the other side of this, then I'll be able to, to get in the game and make disciples. And God's like, I've, I've, given you, I've given you disciples right there in your home. It's that thing that I tend to do where I say, okay, once, man, once I pay for this, and I have this amount of money saved, then I'm gonna be able to be generous. Then I'm gonna be able to give to the global partners. God's like, whatever you have, whatever little you have, be generous with it now. I promise, the the, the reward will far outweigh the sacrifice. He says, hey, you've been faithful with a few things. That's actually by design, that's actually by plan. This will translate into rewards far beyond what we could fathom or imagine in the age to come. And then this line comes, and it's how we're going to end. He says, come, I want you to share in my happiness. That This wild thing happens where where the owner, where the master, he says, hey, I want you to come all the way into the party. You know, you're you're no longer just my servant. You're going to come all the way into my house. You're going to experience the abundance of what I have and what I own. Come all the way all the way in, share in your master's happiness. And that's the reality of what awaits those who are faithful in Jesus. That's the reality of what awaits those, no matter how hard, broken, tired we may feel in this age. For those who remain faithful to Jesus, there is a party that awaits us. There is a wedding feast that awaits us. And the question I've been asking all week is like, okay, how do I steward what I've been given? How do I steward the, the time and the place and the people that are around me? And how do I do it in a way that doesn't bring me glory but brings glory to God? Well, it starts from that place of abiding. It starts from that place of intimacy that we, that we started with last week. Because it's in that place of intimacy, it's in that place of abiding that we actually know, oh, we're not doing this on our own strength. We're not doing this on our own power. We're doing this from the one who has given us what we have. He's given it to you. He's gonna walk with you. He's gonna be faithful as you remain faithful to him. So every week, we go to the table. We go to the table. This is, this is like the starting line for our week. And we say, Jesus, because of what you have done, because of the fact that you've laid down your life, because of the fact that you were the humble servant, we can go and be humble servants too. We're simply invited to take what he's given us, the few, the little, and use it for the glory of God, trusting and knowing that a beautiful reward awaits us. Let's pray, and we'll go to the table together. Yeah, Jesus, we... We can't imagine, honestly, I'm even having a hard time standing up here preaching, imagining the reality of that day. When you you will look us in the eyes, and you will say, well done. You weren't perfect, but well done, good and faithful servant. Come and receive your reward. Jesus, will you help those who are struggling to to, to know what what it is that you've given them? Like, will you help them this this morning to even highlight something in their life, a person in their life, a a gifting that you've given them, a circumstance that you want them to use to bring you glory? Whatever it might be, God, will you bring it to the surface? And will you allow us to live for you this week, to live for you knowing, hey, the the world lives for themselves. And ultimately, that's not where reward is found. Reward is found in laying down our life for you because we know the reward that is to come. Jesus, in your name. Together as a whole church, we say amen. Hey, let's go to the table together this morning. If you wanna talk, if you wanna pray, there'll be some men and women at the Respond Banner. We'd love to talk and pray with you this morning. Love you, church.